Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Search engine optimization. Is that even a growth hack? Digital marketing has come a long way from forums to banner ads to ranking on the search engines and to obviously now social media. We've dedicated a lot of this podcast to social media and its latest growth hacks. But today on this episode of Growth Hack, we're going to step back in time into the world of search engine optimization. We bring on Ian Lurie, who I've been a longtime lurker of. Ian is a digital marketing consultant in Seattle, Washington. Previously, Ian was the CEO of Portent, a digital marketing agency he founded in 1995 and sold it in 2017. He's now on his own, consulting for brands he loves and speaking at conferences that provide Diet Coke. We talk about the state of ranking a website on the search engines today and what has been the biggest Google update in the last 24 months. Welcome, Ian. Thanks, Julian. It's great to be here. Yeah, very excited to talk SEO today. And uh, it's been very interesting. I've, I've followed you for a better part of a decade. So it's really good to have you on the show. And on this show, we get started right away. So we've come a long way since the Stanford thesis of Larry and Sergey. What's the current state of SEO search engine optimization as you see it today? So <laughs> a lot like this question and I'm not directing it this at you. I'm direct, this, this is a really good question, but I can't resist. Uh, it's become too abstract. Um, the, the algorithm has become more sophisticated and mysterious. And, you know, we all talk about how Google hides the ball, which I have to say, as much as I don't appreciate a lot of things that they're doing, I sort of understand. We have, as time has passed, tried to create as many ways to automate SEO and automate recommendations as possible. You know, we have tools that write content for us. We have tools that supposedly sniff out LSI keywords, which are not a thing, in case you were wondering. Uh, go on to Twitter and say to Bill Slosky just the phrase LSI keywords and then watch him lose his, completely lose his shit. And he's right to do it. Um, but we tried to develop these platforms, right, that are supposed to provide holistic solutions and give us recommendations on content and technical recommendations and linking and everything else. And what we really need to do is look instead at integration. And this is where I see most of the success coming now, the real success. If you look at the leaders in the field, the things that they're doing, you know, the Mike Kings and folks like that, they're integrating data. They're bringing in and looking at site performance and user behavior and keywords and rankings and traffic and everything else all into a single source. And then they're using that to come up with their own recommendations. So it's a subtle difference between holistic and integrated. Holistic is where you have one tool set that's trying to tell you everything and you don't see what's going on below, you know, under the hood, which if you think about it, exactly what's Google doing, what Google is doing. So that's not a good idea. And then you have integrated and integration is what pulls the data together and lets you draw your own more sophisticated conclusions. That's where SEO has to go. I think the current state is that we've gone too far towards holistic and abstraction and that, you know, welding the hood shut, shut, just give me some recommendations type of thing. I think we're going to start leaning away from that because a lot of the things that Google has done in the last couple of years have kind of cracked down on a lot of what holistic recommendations will deliver. 
what are you seeing in terms of tool sets and like how to provide this integrated way? Are you, what, what are you look? Obviously, we look at Google Analytics. We look at different channels and different tools. What are we looking at that provides this integrated perspective that you have? Well, I got to say, and as soon as I said that, I'm sure everybody is rushing to their keyboards to add to their sites. We are an integrated to, well, no, no one's actually listening to me, so nobody cares. But a lot of people are trying to say, oh, we have the integrated tool set. Um, I have yet to see one that's really, really good. Uh, I see a lot of agencies and consultants developing their own solutions. Again, I got to, I got to keep pointing out Mike King at iPoll Rank. You know, he has some pretty cool uh, stuff at his agency. You know, I will admit the, the only advertisement you'll hear for myself, uh, I've developed some stuff that you know, pulls together keyword data and traffic data and rankings and measures opportunities and tells you where you should do linking. You know, I think the best tools you're going to find still are things like Google data studio, SQL, whatever form of SQL you want to use, uh, Python or PHP or you know, whatever other development platform you use. I don't think there's a great tool out there. I am old. I don't use a ton of tools. So there's probably something, but I'm still rolling my own because I just haven't found anything that does the trick. So this kind of leads us to the next question. And it's it's probably the worst question you can ask anyone in SEO is, what is the single most important signal that Google relies for web rankings? From my perspective, uh, it's internal link architecture and not avoiding your keywords. And the analogy I always like to use is running shoes versus athletic footwear. Your brand may say that you sell athletic footwear. Google does not care. The market is searching for running shoes. You can always correct people as to the error of their ways. At the same time, there's this really careful balance that you have to strike between using keywords too much and using them not enough. And I know everybody talks about how much more sophisticated the algorithm is. It is, I'm just boiling it down here. If all you do is repeat a term on a, on a page again and again and again, that doesn't help you. You have to be very aware of the other words people use that relate to your subject. So if you sell running shoes, then laces and soles and knees and feet and comfort are all terms that should be brought up in your language as well. And if you think about it, that makes sense. So I would look at that and I would look at internal site structure. The bigger your site, the more internal structure matters. And that, just for our audience, just to help them out, uh, for maybe not the SEO pros, what you're referring to is, let's say you have either your blog pages or your services pages or your whatever whatever pages you have on your website that, that are that are more expansive, you're talking about linking from one page to another internally on your site. Is that right? Yeah. So one thing at a very simple level, one thing that I help a lot of clients with is the bigger the site the more I will look at pages that are almost where they want them to be as far as traffic. And they're almost where they want to be as far as rankings. And I'll say, okay, let's look around your site for pages that are related. And let's just make sure that those related pages link back to that one target page. Do it in a way that helps your users. Generally, if the pages are related, it's going to help your users to link like to like. Uh, and let's see if that helps you rank higher. There's all sorts of little things. I think you know Google cares a lot about title tags and all this other stuff. I'm assuming you're doing all those things right. The biggest thing that'll move the needle is internal linking that you have control over is internal linking and that use of language. Of course, external links matter a lot, but I have yet to see anyone show me how if you are not Nike or some major brand, you're going to go out and successfully build lots of links in a consistent way. 
There are amazing people out there like Lex Emails who can help you acquire and build links and they do matter. That's a very difficult thing to do. And I'm honestly not sure it's the factor anymore. Uh, and a lot of people are going to reach through the internet and try to slap me for saying that. But I have found the best success and therefore I think the biggest factor right now is internal linking and language. I came from SEO. Well, I came from banner ads before we were doing SEO. I mean, that was that. that's how far back you and I go. Mm -hmm. uh, and you probably can even date yourself even further than before banner ads. I came from direct mail, um, just so you know, uh, and then went into search from there. So yeah, uh, I was truly on the side of evil, except not. The direct mail I worked on hopefully was not totally evil. And so for, for many, 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 many years, I mean, almost like eight, nine years, I would like pay attention to every post from Rand. I'd look at the Moz uh, temperature scale. I'd look at the algorithm. What was Matt Cut saying back in those days? I was just very, very entrenched in what was going on in the industry. And I got to be frank with you, I have not paid attention to any of it. Can you talk about any major updates that I th that you think our audience would be would benefit from listening about? People really need to listen to this, okay? You, you need to listen to this. The thing that Google has cracked down on the most and the biggest opportunity as well is on content generated purely for SEO purposes. If you're just cranking out one crappy blog post after another in an effort to optimize and get higher rankings, Google is going to hammer the life out of you if they haven't already. Uh, I've worked with a number, number of publishers and non-publishers, you know, much more transactionally focused websites on trying to reverse the hit they took when Google said, oh, wait a minute, all of your content is utter crap. So we're going to remove you or push you down in the rankings. When I talk about crappy content, I mean a few different things. Um, very superficial content written just to mention keywords on a site. And you know what, I, if, if you're doing it, you know you're doing it, okay? I'm just saying, if you have to argue to justify, then chances are you're doing it. Um, and then also content where there may be something useful, but the first three or four paragraphs are just keyword stuffed, breathless. You know, think of the recipe site, right? You go to the site and all you want to do is learn to make chocolate chip cookies. So the first four paragraphs are about the history of chocolate chip cookies and why chocolate chip cookies are great and you know when to serve chocolate chip cookies. Well, first of all, the answer of when to serve is always. They're great because they have chocolate in them. And who cares about the history? Because they taste really good. So those are things that you're just putting there in an effort to rank, right? You're doing it just to mention chocolate chip cookies more often. You can look at other sites and say, oh, well, they're doing it. Great. Their day will come. Uh, you need to up your game, get rid of all that kind of eh stuff and try to write stuff with real substance. And remember that volume is not going to help you in the rankings anymore. So that was a very long answer, but the biggest update is the way Google is treating uh, treating sites that are cranking out content just for the sake of mentioning keywords. And and can we just dive just a second deeper into th this idea of better content? And you know, for all intents and purposes, um, I know for, for when I do it for my client, we don't do it that way. For myself, sometimes I, I, I definitely fall into that category where, where we are sort of just putting out uh, a, a piece of content that's tied to every podcast episode. But sometimes, you know, um, it's not written by me. It's written by a ghostwriter. Um, and I know it's not the best it can be. It really isn't. And the ones that I have written myself, they are really, like, really, really great and really interesting. I just, you know, it's bandwidth. So can, you, can we explore that for a second? And are you really suggesting just kill 
all the ones that basically my ghostwriter is doing and and just only put out the what I have in terms of bandwidth. I'm not, I mean, I am partly talking about quality, but I'm mostly talking about depth of information. So if your ghostwriter is producing something that's genuinely useful and teaches something real, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I don't love the idea of ghostwriters, but I get the problems with bandwidth. I think that's fine. So just as an example, let's say I'm writing a step-by-step guide to relaunching a website and it genuinely provides distinct steps, you know, build a redirect list. Here's how you build a redirect list here. You know, that's genuinely useful stuff. If I have a ghostwriter do that, which I never have, but if I did, um, that would be okay as long as it communicates those steps, as long as my audience can take it, follow along and do something important. So it's not so much about who's writing it or how beautifully written it is. I'll, you know, that's always better. It's more about usefulness of information. You know, we do spend a lot of time uh, choosing our guests. We don't choose our guests lightly. I, I usually listen to them. I, in your case, uh, I've been following you for years. I was about to say, except when it's me, then you're just like, oh, Ian, okay. (laughs) So what my point is, I hope I'm bringing on the right guests and they're sharing really good, valuable information because what we are doing is the ghostwriter listens to the podcast episode and extracts five to six subheadlines and puts it. So hopefully we've done a good job with our guests and extracting really good content. And then the ghostwriter is really just kind of dictating in a way what happened in the show. And so what do you, what do you think about that? One thing I advise a lot of clients who do podcasts is get a transcription and turn it into a really good blog post. Uh, So I, I, you know, that totally makes sense to me. That seems like the way to do it. The thing I'm really talking about is when someone just writes 10 paragraphs of stuff about, let's say, building links. And they say building links over and over again and never offer any real advice on how to build links. That's a perfect example. And it may not happen so much in our industry because obviously we're all SEOs, but I've seen it happen a lot in cycling, in gaming, in all sorts of other spaces. I was of the idea early on and I stopped doing this um, and I'd like to get your perspective on it. We have an we have a page for every single podcast episode. And what I have is I take the podcast player and I embed it on the website. I take the description and I put that on the podcast player page. And then what we were doing early on is we were transcribing the whole thing and we were putting the whole transcription on the episode uh, page itself and writing a synopsis a blog post on our blog about it. And so maybe if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not the best idea to put the full transcription up on the site. I would just recommend you edit it carefully. Uh, If you want to look at how someone does it and does it really well, look at Moz's Whiteboard Fridays, where they have the video at the top and then they have the transcription, which has been carefully edited. They've added, you know, headings and everything, but there's nothing removed. Like it's still the the speaker's words, but it's been formatted very, very carefully. So it reads like a blog post because transcriptions tend to be just all this text on the page and they're helpful, but they're hard to get through. If I'm you know, on my phone scrolling through it, it's hard to read and I'm, my attention is going to wander. If you turn it into more of a post, keeping the exact words, just maybe editing where the transcription software didn't do it right, you're going to see a lot better and getting rid of all the ums and ahs and likes if you're doing my particular, uh, see, I just did it, uh, podcast, 
that's going to get you a better result than having both the transcript and the blog post. And your ghostwriter can do a lot more with it, right? It's, it's much more in the words of the speaker. So I know our audience would hate uh, if we ended this and didn't ask this question, there's a lot of podcasters who listen to this. There's a lot of startups who listen to this. And there's a lot of marketers who are earlier in their career who are kind of starting this SEO journey. What's your suggestion for a company that's just starting out on their SEO journey? So don't overthink it. Find a good, trustworthy SEO. Uh, if you want, I, I will, without any personal bias, I hope, uh, help you find a trustworthy SEO so you can feel free to reach out to me um, and follow their advice. Understand your SEO doesn't understand design. Your engineering team does not understand SEO. Uh, your design team does not understand SEO. Your SEO does not know how to run a large enterprise and your C-suite doesn't know anything about SEO. So you have to come into this assuming you know nothing. Uh, you really have to. It's really important. Okay, reading people's blogs, who I will not single out, who spend all their time trying to convert their blogs into profit, are not the right resource. All right? If you can't find a trustworthy SEO or can't afford one, don't do SEO. Build a fast, easy-to-use site. Follow all the best practices for HTML and how you implement a, a, a good site. Work on your reputation the same way you would if there was no internet. You know, teach, do good PR, uh, create content that people are going to be interested in, be reliable, have fun with your business. You'll go a lot further than if you try to do you know, DIY SEO. There are a few exceptions, but it's better to stick with what you know will work, which does not include reading SEO blogs and trying to, and I have an SEO blog, so I'm saying this honestly, you're better off not doing SEO and just doing smart business than trying to do SEO on your own. Now, I don't want to leave this episode with talking about this newsletter that's like taking the, the SEO community by storm. I have not signed up yet. So help me understand what is this newsletter? Um, and, and I think I probably should be signing up. So tell me about it. So Aleda Solis, she's one of the leading voices in SEO right now. And she does more for the community to support the community and to teach and also to support diversity uh, and help remote workers than anyone else I know in the industry. She has a newsletter called SEO FOMO. It's S-E-O-F-O-M-O, -O -O. Uh, and it is the best source of weekly kind of here's the things that are happening. Here's some really good lessons in SEO you're going to find. And, you know, I said a minute ago, don't trust blogs. She very carefully handpicks for good information. She's providing information for fairly advanced SEOs. But even if you're not doing SEO, it's a good thing to read and then see what it's like when you talk to whoever you're looking to hire as an SEO. They don't need to read SEO FOMO, but just see how their, their views line up. You need to get this newsletter. Ian, this has been great. Thank you for helping me uh, relive all my horrors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> helping me relive uh, the, the SEO journey um, that I did for so many, so many years. And uh, really pleasure having you. Uh, love to have you at some point back on the show. Thank you, Ian. Thanks a lot.